0: Welcome to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. I'm sorry it's been a little while since my last uh, release, but I've been sick most of December with the flu or COVID or something like that. But now I am starting to feel better. If you would like prayer for anything, please just send me an email at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com. In today's episode, I want to tell you about four powerful things Jesus set you free from. I have mentioned them kind of here and there, but the purpose of today's episode is to provide a short and an easy list so you can remember them. So let's get started. The first powerful thing that Jesus set you free from is the power of death. In the very beginning when God created the beautiful garden of Eden and placed the man and the woman in it, they were to take care and to work the garden. He told them that they could he told them that they could eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And you probably know the rest of the story. They did what the father said not to do. And even though they didn't die immediately, they did die later. And every human has died ever since. So humanity is under the power and the rule of death. It says in Romans chapter 5, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world and Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. In Ecclesiastes, it says it's better to go to funerals than to parties. The reason is what you learn from a funeral is much more valuable than indulging in a party. You learn that Some hoard masses amounts of wealth, but they can't take it with them. Money can't save you from death. You learn that some people waste their lives living hedonistic lifestyles, seeking pleasure and only pleasing and loving themselves. People may attend their funerals, but because they didn't contribute anything to their family or to this world, people may grieve, but only those who shared the same selfish lifestyle with them. Those who were damaged by the person's selfish pursuits of life are numb and they're not always sure how to process the death and some will even admit, I'm glad this person is dead. Uh, I say, God forbid that happens in your life or about your life. Ecclesiastes goes on and tells us that we should fear God and obey his commandments. We should eat and drink and enjoy the work, the spouse and the life that we have been given. The Father created us to do good works. Not so we could boast about how much of a hero we are, but he created us to do good works, to partner with him and be his representative on earth as it is in heaven. When we partner with him, our good works bring life and have a deep and eternal impact. Jesus said if we abide in him, we will bear fruit that remains, meaning it will last. He promised to reward us even forgiving, it, it's something as simple as a cup of water in his name. You don't have to be gifted or talented to have love and to do works of love. People, are, though, are many times driven by the power of death. And sometimes these people will do great things according to the world's standards. It may benefit them, their family, or their tribe. But it will come at a cost to everyone else. It says in Ecclesiastes, most people are motivated to success because they are envious of their neighbors, but this is like trying to hold smoke in your hands. However, when you are born again, you are set free from the power of death. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 that Jesus had to become human with flesh and blood, and through his death, he broke the power of the devil who held or had the power of death, only in this way could he set us free free from all who live their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. For the follower of Jesus, death is just a door you walk through to enter into your next life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that when our dying bodies have been transformed into, into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? You have been set free from the power and the sting of death. Death no longer rules your life. Paul says again in Romans, Adam's death ruled over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace. And through this other man, Jesus Christ, we are now free from the condemnation and death and are living under the freedom of God's grace. So take a deep breath. You're breathing the fresh air of the Holy Spirit. The sky above is bright, and the breezes are warm with His love. When I was a young fellow, before I was born again, we had a city city fair that would come to our town every year in the fall. It had all kinds of rides. I would always tell my friends I was going to ride the scarier, more adventurous rides, but every year I chickened out. I was a slave to the power of death. But after I was born again, I went to this city fair and I, I rode all the rides and I wasn't afraid anymore. My heart was set free. Death had lost its power over me. The second powerful thing that Jesus set you free from is the rule and the power of sin. Jesus said that he who sins is a slave to sin. Paul, again in Romans, talks about how sin works in our members. Or our mortal bodies. We desire to do what's right, but the power of sin rises up in us and takes control. Some people, even Christians, think they can dabble in this sin or that sin. It'll be okay. It's just a small sin. But it's like opening a door to a fierce tyrant who wants you as his slave and to use you for his own purposes. You need a stronger man to come and destroy that tyrant and set you free. Just like the Israelites were slaves, we are slaves to this ruthless tyrant called sin that drives us on. But through the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin. Paul said in Romans, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit has set us free from the power of sin and death. We used to be slaves to sin. Sin would rise up in us like a hurricane. All we could do was weather the storm and let the storm run its course. We were powerless to stop it. Sure, most people don't commit like the major sins because they don't want to go to jail or lose their family. But they are powerless to stop this surge within their their being. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer a slave to sin, and you have been set free from its power. It means when the hurricane of lust and anger and greed or whatever it is rises up in you, you can say, No, this storm isn't welcome anymore. I'm no longer your slave. You are not my master. I have a new master. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed many christians find themselves in intense battles with sin i've been there i encourage you do not give up and do not give in don't let discouragement wear you down and steal your freedom keep fighting sometimes deliverance is fast sometimes it's a process you keep your keep giving yourself completely to christ if you stumble you do the same you just get up and you keep giving yourself completely to christ our freedom sometimes is like an onion. Layer after layer, the sin and the darkness loses its power over us as we continue you know, to seek Christ and to obey him. We're transformed glory to glory, but you can't give up. You have to remember that Jesus loves you. He died for you when you were a rebel. So he loves you and he will strengthen you in the fight. Someone might ask a question, can a Christian get to the place where he never sins. The Scriptures doesn't say that in this life we can get to a place of sinless perfection, but it does say that sin will not control or dominate your life. You have the Holy Spirit. You're ruled by the freedom of God's grace now. The third powerful thing that Jesus sets you free from is the powers of darkness. The serpent in the beginning represents the powers of darkness that seeks to seduce humans into rebellion against their loving father and he's been very successful to a large extent but his desire is it's not just to seduce you away from the father but it's to rule over you and control you like the white witch and the lion the witch in the wardrobe she offered that young man edmund some sweet turkish delight sin is sweet for a moment but the enemy of our souls doesn't have our best interest in mind his goal is to rule over us and to dominate us like a ruthless tyrant paul says in ephesians chapter 2 the devil the commander of the powers of darkness his spirit as it is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god and all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature but Paul goes on and tells us in Colossians that Jesus has rescued us from the rule and, and the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his Son, of his love, in, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. And again, later Paul tells us in Colossians, Christ canceled the legal debt we had against us and the condemnation that came with it. Christ took it away, nailed it to the cross, and he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In the ancient world, when a king would conquer his enemy, he would parade them around to humiliate them. Paul was saying what looked like the humiliation of Christ on the cross was actually the defeat and the humiliation of the powers of darkness. They were defeated on the cross and through his resurrection. And because of what Christ accomplished, we can now consider ourselves dead to sin. Meaning the power of sin is broken over our lives because we have now been united with Christ. And sin is no longer our master. Now sin was the hook that the devil used to rule over us. The hook is broken and the one who was casting the hook to bait us against the Father is His power is broken also. So we no longer have to listen to the powers of darkness. We have a new spirit working in our hearts. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. The fourth powerful thing that Jesus set you free from is the power of the law. Now this is probably one of the more confusing Ones of them all that many believers sometimes get in debates about. So what does it mean? The law was given to us to show us God's character and what he expected of us. I'm referring to the Ten Commandments specifically. But instead of us simply obeying, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 7, he says, when I heard the law spoken, for example, do not covet, something happened. The desire to covet sprung up inside of me. So his point is the law was given to show us we're sinners and we need something greater to deliver us from our wretched conditions. Now the law is good and it is spiritual and it still has a good purpose in our lives but the law will not transform our hearts. Just knowing the law doesn't help us obey the Father. We don't feel compelled to obey Him because of just knowing the law. Sometimes to the contrary, as mentioned before, many times we desire to do the opposite. So what's the answer? Well, Paul said we died to the law when we were united with Christ, meaning the power of the law has been broken off of our lives. He isn't saying the law is not good or we should just throw it away or we forget that there is law. No, there's just a new way now to relate to the Father, and it's not the law. It's the law of love spoken about in John 15 when Christ tells us to abide in his love. The one who is forgiven much loves much. When we taste the love of Christ, now we're compelled to obey Him. Jesus tells us, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The more we grow and understand the love of Christ, the more we will desire and feel compelled to obey Him. Now, this doesn't mean when we don't feel like obeying Him that we shouldn't, God will still strengthen us when we don't always have those feelings. But there are some believers who speak of the love of Christ in a different way and they disconnect obedience altogether. But this is not how Jesus spoke about love. It was his love for the Father, Jesus's love for the Father, and for us that moved him to lay down his life on the cross. So the more we understand this and the more we Uh, the more we will lay down our lives as well. This doesn't mean that we will do it perfectly like Jesus did, but it does mean the more we grow in our understanding of his love, the more our hearts will be transformed. I'm going to repeat this again, maybe in another way, just for clarity and emphasis. The law doesn't transform our hearts, and it doesn't necessarily compel us to obey the Father. But this doesn't mean the law is bad. It is good, and it's needed. It, is, it shows us our great need for the love of Christ. When we were born again, we were united with Christ and we died to the power of the law. The law and our lack of obedience condemned us, condemned us to death, but we were given a free gift. Now we have eternal life. The love of Christ has been poured into our hearts, as Paul says in Romans chapter 5. The more we seek to abide in Christ's love, the more we will grow in understanding of it. A new desire will compel us to obey Him. It is His very love and His Holy Spirit working in us to please Him. The key to transformation in regards to the law is to focus on the law of love that Christ came and demonstrated and now tells us to abide in. If we abide in Christ, we cannot abide in sin. (music) I hope you were encouraged by this episode and about the four powerful things that Jesus set you free from. If you would like prayer or to contact me, you can reach me at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a good day and a happy new year.